Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm He Young. Coming up, I sat down for a special interview with the renowned designer Alexander Brent. His stellar career is punctuated by a series of exceptional designs, which includes the record-setting Shanghai Astronomy Museum, the China Pavilion at the Shanghai Expo 2010, and awe-inspiring exhibition sites that soar high above the vibrant skylines of Asia. Hello, everybody. Get ready for a captivating expedition into the world of innovation and imagination. Today, you are in for a treat as we sit down with the chief designer behind the Shanghai Astronomy Museum and also the brilliant mind behind the AI's dream project, Alexander Brent. Hello, nice to be here. Great to have you here. Together, we will explore the boundaries of art, technology, and education as we get deeper into Alexander's groundbreaking work. Yes, so you have this exciting project coming up called the AI's Dream, and I'm very curious about the inspiration behind it. And can I also bring in the point that it might be the AI's dream for some, but could To be the AI's nightmare, nightmare for, for others. others. Exactly. So, what was so the consideration behind so it? So, I think it's, I think it's,、uh, it's definitely a dream. It's also a nightmare.、Uh, it all started with me just being fascinated about five years ago with the concept of, which I think is something that's on everyone's mind, is of course, can AI ever be emotional? Can it be? Can it fall in love with you? Can it fall in love with humanity?、Mm-hmm. And、um, but instead of、uh, creating a story where we have a human's eyes point of view on the AI, I wanted to explore what does it feel for the AI? Like what does the AI feel when it emerges?、Mm-hmm. When it first meets human people? When it discovers its sensation of love? When it Like, what is this whole thing from the AI's point of view?、Um, and, and that's already kind of freaky for some people, because when you think that AI has feelings or the AI can become sentient, and,、yeah. and that's kind of the controversial, if、I、not exciting, bit. During these five years of exploration, I've I've come from、uh, thinking that this is crazy to thinking that this is like the most normal thing in my life. Now, can it be afraid of death? Mm-hmm. Can it thus have a desire to survive? What happens if death, the desire to survive, love—all these things intermix in a funny story、mm-hmm. about about the future of humanity and AI? And AI—that's the kind of、uh, subject matter I was eager to explore. The other、mm-hmm. thing is, like, as an exhibition designer, when I watched movies,、mm-hmm. the most exciting part of the movie was at the end when I was looking at these. Uh, like the making of, and I saw like all these beautiful sets that people created for the actors to act in. I said, like, what would happen if we create these sets, but not for actors to act, for visitors to explore, to、uh, to live through,、uh, and and give the audience the opportunity to become the protagonist himself by throwing them right into the reality or that that imagined reality of 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 a. Of a cinematic story, so it's almost like you're playing the game 
well, most people have played mm. video games and yeah. you have an idea, but it's like you're playing the role in an immersive physical space. Exactly. And you are the protagonist of that storyline and you are carrying the direction of the story with, exactly. with NPCs around. You have NPCs, <laughs> but only very few. Ah. Most NPCs are actually artificial intelligence. I thought, like, why not go it all the way? Why don't create a game where you actually are physically in the space and whereby creating these kind of circumstances, you actually are afraid for the safety of your own physical body. That will heighten your, the level of experience. Mm. That will make you sweat. That will make you surprised, all these kind of yeah. things. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to put on my mom hat, which okay. I'm not one yet. But already we feel like young people and kids are playing video games or just playing their smartphone games and they seem so connected on social media and they are already living on this virtual world. Would you want to put young people more into that side of things or, or maybe not? Actually, I, I don't think it's not one or the other. First of all, these phones we have in our pocket are uh, an extension of our body. Uh, a and lot that's of people, not a great thing for a it, lot of people. It is not important if it's a great thing, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. And it's not gonna go away. The computerization of our bodies is only gonna continue. The question is, how do we live with it? And I think all the works that we are doing, we try to use technology to facilitate uh, interaction between human beings. I personally, do not want to create another game where people sit alone at home and play with their, with their uh, phone or where they immerse themselves in a kind of a VR thing and they don't have a connection with a, another physical human being. I, I personally, I still very, very much believe in the physicality of reality, mm. but there's no question like the metaverse, the concept that we actually are already part of the virtual world is not going to go away. It's it's where we are right now and we can fight it or we can try to like it mm -hmm. in the right way and that's yeah. what we're trying to do. So have you always had this keen interest in AI and also just by looking at your portfolio and all uh -huh. the wonderful works you've done in the past, you know, the Shanghai Astronomy Museum or some of the other exhibitions that you've been mm -hmm. involved with, they all look kind of futuristic and I wonder if this is something that has been your field of interest as well as kind of like a drive for you or somehow as those clients find In, you. Three years ago we tried to prove to the world that our company can actually do very classic exhibitions and we won a pitch of, out of 32 competitors but it was just to prove that we can do also classical stuff. No, I personally I am very much interested in, in the future um, if you look at yourself like you're living in the present, the present is infinitely short, but it also stretches your entire life. All you know is your past, and all you desire to know is the future. Now, for me, it's natural that, we, that I want to talk about the future because that's what everyone desires to know. But I think uh, it's not just talking about the future itself, it's about like, how do you engage in, in that search for the future? And I think uh, what I'm interested in is what, what, what people call hard sci-fi mm -hmm. uh, or immersive experiences, is that you create a realistic illusion of what it actually feels to be in a future. Mm -hmm. 
And in order to make that work, it has to be science fiction, of course, but it has to be hard science fiction. It means it has to be based on real scientists' ideas about what the future most likely will look like. And even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like this very sincere search for the truth of how, what things are. And then you throw yourself into that future and you explore it. And I think you can actually help the present make better choices by uh, exploring that kind of future. That's why we're so interested in dreams, because what dreams actually are, dreams are, it's your experiences, and you, you try to play out all kinds of scenarios of how could I best meet the challenge of the things that, that I just experienced or that I'm going to experience. That's what dreams are. That's not just like my interpretation, that's, that's what the science community agrees mm -hmm. on. And I think dreams and hard sci-fi and immersive education all go together there, some kind of a search for future illumination. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, interesting. And also you mentioned you enjoy hard sci-fi and mm -hmm. science fiction does have quite a huge swath of uh, fans all over the world, as mm -hmm. well as in China. I think they're quite a tight-knit community. And what do you think is so important about hard sci-fi? You mentioned scientists' uh, mm -hmm. ideas and, and theories being incorporated in it, but how important is it to sort of, is it enlighten the general public? or Because still, overall, sci-fi is one tenth, if not, of uh, yes. all the genres of literary works out there, films out there, or whatnot. So what do you see as so impactful of it? So I think one thing is, I believe in technology. I believe that technology will save us, or let's say human or human plus AI ingeniosity will save us to overcome all the problems You are so optimistic about that. It's and very interesting. It's like, it's like Either I'm true, like I'm right and I will survive, or I'm wrong and I will disappear. You, so it doesn't matter. Either way, <laughs> either way, I'm... I'm there, there's I'm, one destination. There's, there's only, there's, for me, there's only one destination. Because in the other destination, I don't survive. Uh, so um, I believe in, in that thing. And I think scientists are a people who have the courage to imagine the future mm -hmm. because you will not create any or you will not be able to actually think of anything scientific or create any engineering uh, feat if you don't have the courage to imagine it first, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a, in a period where people uh, think about, uh, they, like when you talk about like um, quantum mechanics or if you talk about general relativity, a lot of people think like, oh, that's very modern science, but it's actually 120 years old. It's like mm -hmm. older than most people's grandfathers, <laughs> okay? So for people to continuously get stuck on that past, I think is not something that interests me or, or the young generation. They want to know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen that really influences their work choices, that's going to have an impact on who they are when they grow up. And hard sci-fi is based on real scientific knowledge is exploring what could be possibly happening if things go continue in the direction they're going right now. How is it going to impact society? How is it going to impact our daily life? And, and 
spinning from, from those new realities, we can take all those old Romeo and Juliet stories and we will discover that they're going to be very different in that new era. Mm -hmm. Because probably Romeo is going to be an artificial intelligence. Who knows, okay? Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I hope you will find love with, with your virtual Romeo one day. <laughs> so, yeah, I have always been fascinated with the, the concept of actually imagining how the future will actually look like, how it will in, impact our life, how we will make different choices because of the different realities that we face in, in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think this has also an incredible impact on, on how we should teach our children. Mm -hmm. So if you, um, if you want to encourage the emergence of a, of a new generation of scientists and engineers and thinkers and, and also like uh, people with, with passion and compassion, you have to have a science education system that allows these subjects to be part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Right now, as I said, our curriculum is based on 120 years ago kind of stuff. We learn with books, we uh, are testing our kids with exams, but we know that, like, how did you learn Chinese? Well, I'm Chinese, so I live in this country, and it all kind of just came quite naturally. It came naturally. <laughs> no, it didn't come naturally. It's because you wanted to survive, you wanted to have this, you wanted to have that, and you had a very strong impulse to learn the word in order for your parents to give you that thing. You wanted water, you wanted that sweet, you wanted affection, you wanted that, and you just learned by living. Now, you and many other people probably thought that the educational system was a lot less exciting than life because it's so removed from life. What if we could create an educational system that is very much like life, or it's even funnier or more exciting than life? It's like a futuristic, immersive version that uses all kinds of gameplay functionalities in order to educate people. And instead of writing tests, you just look at what these kids are capable of doing, what kind of innovations mm -hmm. they are capable of doing. And if they if they outperform their fellow students who have been writing those exams by tenfold, I hope that one day the, the educators around the world will wake up and say like, okay, future education should be about life rather than being about like tests and textbooks. That is quite a brilliant view or vision that mm -hmm. you've painted for us. And needless to say, there are a million steps in between. Yep. And do you think in, let's say if immersive education is the way to go, then we still be able to learn how to like write or maybe code. And I would assume that coding would become, you know, a necessary skill in, in today's education or future like education a, or whatnot. I have 120 employees. Mm -hmm. They're all college educated. Most of them don't know how to write Chinese. It's like sometimes I ask them, I'm like, because my written Chinese is not that good. So I was like, can you, can you come to the board and, and put those keywords up for me? And it's always big laughter because the person is not capable of they do this and that character wrong. The average young Chinese person has a very good understanding of Chinese. They perfectly use their phone to write incredibly quickly. But if you want them to write correct Chinese with their hand, I think there's like, one mistake in every five or in every ten characters. It's incredible. You don't need to be uh, like you to know everything of this. It's like 
I remember when I was a kid, a taxi driver had to pass a test. They had to know every name of every street in their、mm-hmm. city. Otherwise, they were not allowed to be a taxi driver. That is redundant. But the thing is, to become a taxi driver in this country, they still need to take a test, and they still need to remember the names. No, they don't. To, to become a taxi driver, not yeah, anybody. No one, no one becomes a taxi driver anymore. Everyone drives Uber or DD. Yeah. yeah. But for the ones who are taxi exactly, drivers who have、exactly. to pass the test, get the license. My point here is that it's almost for the purpose of getting the qualifications. There's that part that is still maybe in your eyes、yeah. very much stuck so, in the past. For example, no, in I education, think, I, don't, I don't think it's stuck in the past. For example,、mm-hmm. let's talk about AIGC. Okay, so this thing came out. Everyone was generating images with stable diffusion in Midjourney. Everyone's getting super excited.、Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, am I going to lose my job?" And then people realized, no, you're not going to lose your job because AIGC doesn't want to create a beautiful image. They don't have a preferred choice. They don't have a sense of what beautiful or not beautiful is because they are not afraid to die. So death is a death is a function that drives our life, and and we find beautiful everything that doesn't look like death, and we. Human beings who are very much afraid of death have a very, very clear understanding what beauty is, and we make those choices. We create a hundred images with AIGC, and we decide that they are all ugly, and then、mm-hmm. we create another hundred, and we make choices.、Mm-hmm. And it's these choices that are still inexpendable. Like we are still inexpendable. We are the driving force between the creative, imaginative process. And AIGC is just another tool like Photoshop. It's、mm-hmm. just another tool like the camera. Like you remember, a hundred years ago, artists were so afraid that the camera is going to replace them.、Mm-hmm. It didn't. Well, yes, to a certain extent, though.、Mm-hmm. But just think of in the past, maybe you had to hire ten graphic designers to. Finish a project, and、mm. now with AI-generated content, you only need maybe five people. Two people. Two people.、Yeah. So then, for those eight people, aren't they out of a job, or even if temporarily? Okay. So there was a like a, I saw this film about these kids who work in coal mines, and and the story was about a kid that lost its opportunity to work in a coal mine. And it went through the most horrible time because it wanted that job so badly. From our point of view, it's like, oh my God, why do you want that coal mine job? It's like you're destroying your lungs. You're working under underground every day. You're not getting times change. So today, when we lose an opportunity to scribble these drawings, we are desperate. But tomorrow, the same person has an opportunity to do something that's much more fun.、Mm. And that's the part that is up for debate. Because on the one hand, well, we did say that maybe you know you don't don't need that many people, and those folks can go look up other、mm. jobs. But are those jobs taking shape yet, or maybe it takes a certain kind of education, also talent churned out by our educational system, or a certain type of mind to be better equipped to maybe create that new job or okay, be okay. able to. So I think I always I always tell everyone. AI is not going to replace humans, but anyone who is refusing to use AI is going to be replaced. This is the same thing with the graphic designer example. So, the kind of openness to these kind of new tools, I think, is a prerequisite for everyone who wants to enjoy life. 
and to use it to use it and to use it well mm -hmm. okay you have to be open-minded you have to use it i think the most ridiculous thing i've read ever is teachers trying to make sure that their kids that students don't use ai to write their their essays. report essays yeah. it's like that's a stupid thing to say why because the teacher should come up with a subject that is so interesting that the general pool of AI information will not be able to generate a good result. That's what the teacher should do. Mm -hmm. Because our future job is to think about those new stories that AI cannot create. Because the boring old stories that most teachers give their kids as homework, well, AI just does a brilliant job with it. It's for the teachers to wake up and to give more challenging and more forward-looking, more future-looking subjects rather than telling their kids to stay in the past it's very interesting was, what i was like i was using my my little stories that i created okay and i said okay let's see what ChatGPT has to say okay so i put in the the beginning of the story and i had him say like okay generate 10 stories mm -hmm. all different that are exciting that are like emotionally driven that are hard sci-fi and everything and I, I got all these stories and like, ah, oh, this looks like that movie and this looks like that movie. And I got all those movies, but none was actually anywhere close to my idea because my idea was luckily a new idea. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing for other projects and the same thing. The AI doesn't come up with anything that is even close. Why? Because it draws on the pool of information of what is already out there. Mm -hmm. We don't need more kids that can reproduce what's already out there. How do you feel that your brand new idea mm -hmm. just quickly gets siphoned away by ChatGPT or whatever large language model and then the minute it's out there, it's a thing of the past? I think Elon Musk made a very good choice when he decided to not enforce his patents. Ah, oh, open source? He just said, okay, every patent is an invitation to a court case. Okay, yeah. so I think if you try to protect your knowledge, you're inviting these kind of nightmares of legitation and disputes. I think what is the better strategy is to push yourself to always be at the cutting edge. You're just like, you're just trying to run faster than everyone else and like, let them copy you. It's, uh, it's great if they <laughs> copy you. It's like our exhibitions are, have been copied all over China. It's like, I go like, oh. I know that one. I know that exhibition. I made that. Someone just copied my exhibition again. Great. Hmm. So you touch upon something very interesting that I suppose a lot of um, educators, parents possibly, or young people out there are thinking about creativity just by the field of work that you're in and also being able to come up with all these new ideas time and time again. And that's really hard, you know, because um, a lot of people say that we're all born with creativity as little babies and toddlers and as we grow up further. And then those wings of creativity kind of get clipped just by us growing up and getting... Finding, Facing reality. Exactly, and finding ways to fit in into society and all those things. So, do you have any advice to people who are thinking, can I give my creativity back or how to be creative in today's okay. world? Okay, so first of all, I 
I don't think that creativity can be written into our code. Our code is DNA, and there is, as of today, no evidence that there's actually that there's actually any trace of human creativity that would be through hereditary processes be like given to the next generation. So Einstein's children are not necessarily great scientists, or Picasso's children are not necessarily great uh, artists just because his father was, or their father was. Creativity is a, a product of your parents, your classmates, your, your environment, and I'm, I'm intentionally leaving out the person, it's her, uh, him or herself, because I think it's really like these, these factors that, that encourage you. Now, what can you do, you yourself, to enhance your ability to be creative? First of all, I think there is a myth that there's some kind of a crazy artist out there who has these crazy ideas. Well, this is hard work. You have to like work and work and imagine and compare and learn and experience and be curious and do stuff. Like you, have to, you have to have a practice of not going home and going on TikTok, but going home and writing something. I think every night we go into a dream state mm -hmm. where our, according to Freud, and his colleagues, where our over-ego kind of shuts down his eyes and your young and uh, unexperienced and emotional self just explores everything you, you wanted to actually do it during the daytime but you didn't dare to do mm -hmm. or because of society you couldn't do. I think it's the, a really good way to, to be creative is to harness that that fountain of ideas. That's why all our projects are related to dreams. I don't know if you had this experience, but uh, a lot of people have good ideas when they sit on the toilet or when they're in the shower. Is <laughs> when they're in this kind of uh, half dreamy, half awake state. Take them seriously. Take these moments seriously. Allowing yourself to like take these childish ideas, these imaginative outbursts, these kind of things, take them seriously. Yeah. Take them seriously and use them to do stuff. And then I think the other thing is just to be courageous. Failure is an option. And then everyone says, you wanted to say failure is not an option. I said, no, no, no. Failure is an option. It's like when you do something and you want to make it fail proof, well, it's going to be boring. But if you go out there and you say it might go miserably bad, but I'm still doing it because I feel I have to do it. Failure is an option. It's, there, is an op there is a possibility that will go wrong because everything that is new and exciting and innovative is, to a certain extent, also a process of trial and error. There are going mm -hmm. to be mistakes, okay? Yeah. So have the courage to make mistakes and take your your dreams really seriously. I think these thing, these two things I think are very important. And then work, 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 work. Write, draw. Um, don't, don't spend your time on TikTok. <laughs> with that, we wrap up our exploration of innovation with Alexander Brent, chief designer of the Shanghai Astronomy Museum. I'm He Young. And it's been a pleasure to have you with us today on Roundtable. You can always find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. Stay curious and keep nurturing those seeds of creativity. We'll see you next time. <laughs>